You're listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. Worship with us on Sundays in Kansas City, or join us in June for our youth and young adult conference called Bold. Good. Thank you, guys. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for letting me be a part of your conference, David, and you guys. How many of you guys are in high school or in junior high school? Raise your hand. Okay, so like all of you. Okay, so here's my confession right from the beginning. I think all of your speakers are or have been youth pastors or are in youth ministry. So right off the bat, I'm going to tell you, I have never been in youth ministry or a youth pastor, okay? So most of my work is with older people, a little bit older, like like only like two or three years older than most of you guys. But I remember being your age in conferences like these where my life was actually changed. And I know sometimes people will say, a conference, you kind of go on a high and then you come back down and you kind of go on living your normal life again and then you have to go to another. Actually for me, in my own life, it was these kinds of events that just kept on propelling me closer and closer to God. And so I actually believe that this, these last three days, today, tonight I think it ends, but these last three days have the power to actually change your life forever, okay? And so I know that you might come, you might come into this meeting and, and you think of it a certain way, but I want you to come with the expectation that your life is going to be changed. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has the power to change your life. And so I remember being in high school and coming out of these conferences, and my life had so dramatically changed in my high school years that I was at high school of about 2,000 kids. In my senior year, I was voted most changed, okay? So my life looked a certain way, and then people, once after one summer, I came back to school and they realized, wow, Brian is a different person. And it was conferences like this. I'm not even trying to, you know, hype you up or make you feel a certain way, but it was events like these that actually changed. Like, listen, I'll give you one story. When I was in high school, I went to an event, and someone challenged us every day to spend at least 30 seconds kneeling at your locker sometime during the morning praying for your high school to experience a move of God, okay? Being a teenager, I listened to what this leader said, so I got about 10, 20 of my friends and said, hey, wherever we are at 7.30 in the morning, I don't know when school starts now, but back then it started early, at 7.30 in the morning, wherever we are, in front of our lockers, wherever it might be, let's get on our knees and let's ask God to move on our high school. And so we would do that, and then for about two weeks we did this, and people made fun of us. I remember teachers thinking, what are you doing? You really think something's going to change because you pray? I went to a public school, not a Christian school. I wasn't homeschooled. God bless the homeschoolers in the room, but majority of you. Uh, my wife was homeschooled, so I get it. Um, and, and I remember in those 30 seconds, everybody would just kind of make fun of us. I grew up in the Northeast, so it's not like the Midwest, Okay. In the Northeast, they, they like to refer to Christians there as the chosen frozen or the frozen chosen, like it's hard to be a Christian in the Northeast. It's not entirely true, but that's what they would say about this. And so when I was in high school, that's kind of the context that I lived in. I don't know if that's some of you guys will identify with that, maybe not at all. 
but they'd make fun of us. So after about two weeks, we got fatigued and we quit, right? We just, I looked at my friends that morning and I said, hey, nothing's happening. I know it probably takes longer than two weeks, but I said, hey, listen, nothing's happening. There's no power in our prayers. Nothing's changing in our high school. Let's stop praying at 7.30 every morning. And so instead of praying, we all gathered in our lunch cafeteria and we got bagels. I don't know if you guys do that in your high schools, but they had breakfast that you could buy in the morning, so we bought bagels. And we weren't even paying attention to the time or anything. And then all of a sudden, while we're eating our bagels, instead of praying when we said we would pray, all of a sudden the power goes out. And all of our friends, we look at each other at the table and we look up at the clock and it's 7.30 in the morning when we had agreed two weeks earlier that we were going to pray at that time. So I think all of us, nobody had to tell us anything. I think all of us recognized, oh, maybe this is God. We committed to pray at 7.30 every morning and all of a sudden at 7.30 while we're not paying attention anymore, the power goes out in the entire school. I don't think the power has ever gone out in my school, but the power went out in the entire school. I remember without even talking to each other, we all just looked at each other, didn't say a word, and we slid out of our chairs onto our knees, and we said, God, move amongst our high school friends. And that year, over 100 kids, most of them not even church, like they never grew up in any church background, over a hundred kids gave their lives to Jesus in just that year alone. And so I know people might say it's not like nothing's gonna change, you know, or anything like that. I actually believe that an event like this, when you hear like David shared last night about radical Christianity, different things, Banning's gonna share tonight about something Banning's gonna share tonight, you know, I have no idea actually. Whatever it might be, the power for your life to be changed in these moments. These moments can be movements on our high school campuses. And you actually have to live with that kind of faith and expectation in your own life. Here's the thing, your conference, this conference is called Bold, right? To me, I don't know if David shared about this because it's, it's, it's a clear passage to share if you title your conference Bold, but I'm going to be sharing out of Acts chapter 4, so if you guys do have your Bibles, just go ahead and open them to Acts chapter 4, but let me define boldness to you this way. It's Romans chapter 1, verse 16, and you can write that down if you want. The afternoon session, I think, is always meant to be a little bit more of a teaching session, okay? I think David gave me that. So I might be going through the Bible a little bit more with you guys this, this afternoon, but Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul says this, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the very power of God for or unto salvation. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the very power of God for or unto salvation. Well, here's the thing. I like that verse, and I know like youth groups, we like to make t-shirts out of that verse. I'm not ashamed, I'm not ashamed, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But David was saying earlier that I, I lead this missionary organization, okay? And we have about 200 people that have gone through 15 months of training with us. They have to go through all the 15 months of training with us in order for us to send them as missionaries. And now we have almost 200 people, maybe three, four years older than some of you guys in this room, 
who are distributed all throughout cities in the Middle East, in North Africa, in the Horn of Africa, in Asia, in Southeast Asia, South Asia, in places like David was saying that it's hard to be a Christian, even illegal to be a Christian, even you'll get in trouble if, it, if it's very obvious that you're a follower of Jesus. And so I lead an organization where these young people are committing their lives to go to these kinds of places and share this gospel that we're not ashamed of, okay? But the truth is, even though I can send other people to go to these kinds of places, sometimes if I'm honest with you, it's hard for me to actually preach the gospel to those people that are in my community. I'll give you one example. My wife and I, we actually used to live in Kansas City, okay? I lived in Kansas City for about 10 years. If you're from Kansas City, I love this city. And we'd go out to eat a lot. You guys have great restaurants. I don't think you know that, but you do, okay? But it doesn't matter. But we go out to eat, and we were with our kids at this one restaurant on a Saturday afternoon. And suddenly, as our waitress is serving our table, I feel... Like, I'm supposed to say something to this woman. And I'm like excited when I go out to eat and my wife can notice suddenly I'm not there in, at the table anymore. You know, I'm there, but I'm not there. And she, she says, what's going on? And I said, I feel like the Lord wants us to share the gospel with this woman, that this woman is going through a hard time. And so every time this waitress would come around, my, I, I, my wife just looks at me, okay? She's like, it's time. And she'd even like kick me under the table saying, hey, this is your opportunity. You felt like the Lord wanted you to share the gospel. And eventually I'm like, honey, I just can't do it. And she goes, you lead a missions organization. How can you not share the gospel with this woman when you feel so strongly that the Lord wants you to share the gospel with this woman? And I'm thinking, I can't. I don't care if I lead a missions organization. I'm not going to share the gospel with this woman. So finally, I pay the check. I'm about to leave. And my wife says, no, someone is going to share the gospel with this woman even if you don't want to. So all of a sudden, my, wor- my wife, she begins to pray, and she asks God, if I can say it this way, for a prophetic word for this woman. So here's, you might not know what that means. Here's, here's what prophetic means to me. It means that God is alive, okay, and he can still speak to you today, right? Simple as that. So my wife asked for something to share with this woman, okay? So she gets something for her, and I'm thinking, Good, good, whatever, you know, just do it. So all of a sudden, this woman comes back to our table as I'm packing up my kids to leave the restaurant. And my wife says, hey, my name is Grace. That's my wife's name. She says, I'm a believer in Jesus, and I believe that he's alive and that he can still talk to us today. Now, I know there are people who tell you, like, be naturally supernatural when God speaks to you, right? Like, don't freak people out. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be unusual. You know, thus says God, and you don't have to get into a frenzy. You don't even have to get in a frenzy, but to a non-believer, 
when you say God is alive and he spoke something to me, it doesn't matter how naturally supernatural that you think you are, you are always weird. I just wanna clear the table right now. I wanna clarify for you right now that despite what anybody might tell you, and like, don't be weird, let's be like normal Christians who can preach the gospel and can hear God's voice and share these things, it is always weird to a non-believer, okay? And I'll explain that in a minute. But so I, I'm leaving the restaurant, and and I think, oh my goodness, my wife is about to share the gospel with this woman who is clearly not a believer. I literally pack up my kids, and remember, I lead a missionary organization. I literally pack up my kids, and I begin to walk out of the restaurant, thinking, who is this woman? I don't know this woman. I want nothing to do with this woman. Okay, so. I'm literally in this moment ashamed of the gospel in one sense. And here's the thing. I want you guys in this conference not to come away thinking that it's always going to be easy for you to represent Jesus to those that are around you. But there is literally a power that God can give to you and to me when we follow Jesus where we're not ashamed of the gospel. Now, listen, I'm not the hero of my story, okay? Like, I I am clearly not the hero of my story here. My wife just begins to share, and this woman is crying. She begins to... to to listen to the message of the gospel that my wife is preaching to her, and I'm suddenly thinking, oh my goodness, I am ashamed of the gospel. Like, my wife just broke through to this woman's heart, and at the same time, I lead a missionary organization. I send them to these faraway places where I tell them, you gotta preach the gospel. You can't be ashamed of the gospel, even if it costs you everything, even if it costs you your life. And I'm at a pizza place, and I cannot share the gospel with this waitress. But there is a power that God gives to us that when we actually walk with him, there is, can I, if I can say it this way, an anointing to be bold. Okay? And so here's the passage that I want us to read. It's Acts chapter 4, verse 5. I'm going to start there. And I'll just read it to you. You listen. It's a story, so it's easy to follow. It says this, and it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the priests, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were the family of the high priests were gathered together at Jerusalem. <coughs> and, they went, and when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have they done this? Now, let me give you the context to this story, Okay. Peter and John, you guys know who they are, right? They're two of the 12 disciples that walked with Jesus in a daily way for three years. They learned his ways. They learned his heart. They learned what he was like. They could, they could, they even touched him. They knew exactly who he was, okay? So they knew Jesus. They were disciples of Jesus. They are in living in the city or they're visiting or at least visiting the city of Jerusalem at this time. And as they're on their way into the temple, the holy place of God where they're going to worship God, there is a man who is sitting there, okay? This man could not walk from birth. And he'd probably sat in front of that temple for a very long time. Anybody who lived near that temple recognized that this guy, he could not walk for a really, really, really long time. And he'd be begging for money so that he could support his own life, so he could eat food, he could take care of himself, right? 
And Peter and John are walking into the temple and he, he starts to beg them. And Peter and John, they look at him, right? And the famous verse is gold and silver I don't have. I feel like I could say that all the time. Gold and silver I do not have. He says, but what we have we can give to you. And then they say, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And instantly, not like takes a lot of prayer or anything, instantly this man under the power of the Holy Spirit as these men speak this word, stand up. He stands up and walks. And he begins to shout. He begins to leap for joy. He's happy that suddenly he can walk. And it creates this commotion that the city leaders, who are the religious leaders of Jerusalem, get so mad that they arrest Peter and John and throw them into prison. Then they bring them out, and this is where this scene is happening, okay? So they ask Peter and John, by what power or by what name have you done this? They recognize that these men walked not just by themselves, but they had the power of something or someone. That they gave these men the ability to say to this man who could never walk, stand up and walk. Can I tell you something? As Christians, as believers, Audrey, I just, Audrey, just stand up for a second. This is my Audrey. She, I can call her my Audrey because she's my 13-year-old niece from Radiant Church up in Michigan. How many of you guys are from Radiant Church? She's 13, beautiful. You, you can't talk to her if you're a boy, okay? So just don't talk to her. Just go ahead and sit down. I just saw you and just, I love you. But if you're a boy, please don't talk to her. Okay, it doesn't matter, but I will report to her parents later. But Acts chapter 4, okay? We're they recognize that they're walking with Jesus. But can I tell you something? Is If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have said in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you have someone, not something, someone living inside of you named the Holy Spirit. And he's not a thing, he's not like the force in Star Wars or anything like that. He is the third person of what we call the Trinity, of what we call God. And when you say that you believe in him, he literally lives inside of you. That truth, as a Christian, should make you really, really happy. If I was not... You know, if I looked more like a youth pastor, you know, tattoos and strong looking and not squishy like a gummy bear up here, I would click my heels and jump for you because that's the level of happy that you should feel, the level of joy that you should feel that the Holy Spirit makes his home inside of you. That same presence that Peter and John walked with that enabled him to say to the beggar at the temple, stand up and walk, that same power 
and presence literally lives inside of you. That should make you so happy. I get it, you're like a 14-year-old pimply-faced teenager, right? And you're thinking, I just want the girl next to me to talk to me, you know? I just want her to say hi to me, to smile at me. And you're thinking, oh, I'm just a Christian. I'm just No, you're a Christian. Get happy. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So he says this, by what power or by what name have you done this? Can I just say this? You know the story of Peter, right? Peter denies Jesus three times in the courtyard, right? Peter denies Jesus, and then at the third time, the rooster crows. Peter feels really bad. Jesus looks across the courtyard. Peter was questioned at the end by a little girl who said, hey, you were with the Nazarene man. And he goes, no, I wasn't with him. Can I tell you, it's only 50 days later, essentially, from that same time frame where this little girl asks him, and Peter is afraid, that suddenly he's in the same exact courtyard of the same temple and the same region of Jerusalem, where 50 days earlier, when a little girl said, hey, weren't you with Jesus? He says, no, I never knew him. Kind of like me at the pizza place. But 50 days later, he's standing in the very same courtyard, and this time, it's not a little girl who's asking, who are you with? This time, it's the very leaders of the city. It's like the mayor, the judge, the senator, the governor, they're all sitting there. And they're saying, who are you with? And in the same way, when 50 days later, or 50 days earlier, a little girl had said, who are you with? And he ran away, right? You know the story? Something happened between when he ran away and when he's standing before the leaders of his city. All that had happened was the Holy Spirit was poured out into Peter and John's heart. I want you to know this. Sometimes you may not even feel it. Sometimes you will, actually. But sometimes, as a teenager, you may never even feel the power of the Holy Spirit. But can I tell you, always you walk with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your lives. It has nothing to do with even how well you live your Christian life. Now, I'm not telling you not to try and not to give yourself to live a Christian life, but listen, Jesus chose to put his spirit inside of you, and no one can change that. And so these guys are asking, by what power or by what name have you done this? And it says, then Peter, and here's the thing. There's no, uh, there's no question or mystery about who Peter is operating with at this point because it says, but Peter, or then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, not little girl, but rulers and the, of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well? I, I love this. He goes, well, fine. Then let it be known to you all, okay? That is a Jewish mic drop, basically. 
So you might be like, well, what is he saying? No, he's basically saying, I'm going to say something, and then I'm going to drop the mic and walk away because it's going to be that good. He's saying, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. Here's the thing. Peter and John aren't thinking, I'm the most amazing. They're thinking, the Holy Spirit inside of me is amazing. And because he lives inside of me, that makes me amazing. Can I tell you this? You might think in 10 years, you're 15 years old right now. You might think, well, maybe in 10, maybe in 15 years, then I'm ready to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit in my life for those around me. Can I tell you that Jesus doesn't give to teenagers a teenage-sized Holy Spirit? Jesus gives to teenagers his Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, him, he lives inside of you. And it's the same power that though Peter 50 days earlier denied even knowing Jesus, 50 days later could say, rulers of the people and the elders of Israel, listen to me well right now. That same power lives inside of you to affect your high schools, your friends, your youth groups, even your families, your parents' lives. When you actually choose to walk in union or in obedience with him. It's not by your awesomeness, but it's by this name. By this name. A pastor right before was saying, listen, he's the name above all other names. So you might think, what's in a name? My name is Michael. My name is Joseph. What's in a name? My name is Amanda. What's in a name? No, no, no. There is a name and the name of Jesus at which every knee shall bow and at, at which every knee will confess. There is a name that has supreme authority and power. And it's by this name that Peter and John were able to say to this man who they describe as a helpless man, would you stand up and walk? And then here's the thing, you just keep going. He says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And here's actually what I want to point out to you today because of the name of our conference, bold, right? Verse 13 in Acts chapter 4, he says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Again, just 50 days earlier, Peter wasn't the boldest. There might be moments in your life where you feel like you fail. Whatever thing that you think, this does, makes me disqualified, can I say to you that nothing can disqualify you if you're under the blood of Jesus? 
no matter what you've done in your lives, no matter what you th- mistakes you've made or what powerlessness that you think you're, you have to live under, can I just say to you, nothing can disqualify you. Peter literally denies who Jesus is in his own life, and 50 days later, he's standing before the leadership, the rulers of his entire city, and he's able to say to them, listen to me well, it's by the name of Jesus that all men are saved. And he says, but when the people had seen the boldness of Peter and John, and listen, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. In other words, these are not the most remarkable people. How did they know they were uneducated and untrained men? It's because they had a funny accent. They had this accent from a place called Galilee, where there were only fishermen who weren't really the leaders of their country in any sort of way. They were uneducated, they were untrained. It's like they weren't from New York City, they weren't from Los Angeles, they weren't from Washington, D.C., they were from like a Kansas City place, right? I was from Kansas City too. Don't owe me. But for some reason, these people were perceived, by the way, you're, never mind, but, but, (laughs) but, your Kansas City Royals beat my New York Mets. It doesn't matter, but um, oh. there, there's this perception that these men were of nothing. They came from nothing, they were of nothing, and they would amount to nothing. They were untrained and uneducated, meaning Nothing in them was spectacular. Nothing in them was extraordinary. Nothing in them was amazing. But they recognized they operated in an unusual boldness for people who we would call untrained and uneducated. How does that happen in a person's life? How does it happen when there's no skill set or nothing amazing about them that they have the ability to actually walk in this boldness that their leaders perceive is unusual? And here's the answer. It says, but they realized that they had been with Jesus. Can I tell you those times that you choose to live and belong to Jesus as his disciple, the same way that these men walked with Jesus as his disciple. That time can never be taken away from you. Do you realize this? You might think it's only 15 minutes a day. Hey, 15 minutes a day with Jesus can change your life and can change the life of all of your friends around you. It wasn't that they were these spectacular people in and of themselves. What made them extraordinary or what made them bold was that they had been with Jesus. Here's the thing. Everything, I mean, it was hard when I was a teenager. I think it's far harder today because of all the distractions that you have today to actually carve out those moments to know Jesus and be known by him. Instagram, right? Facebook. I don't even know if kids use Facebook anymore. Social media, all these things, Snapchat, all these things 
In one sense, they're useful tools. In one sense, they're good and they're fun. I'm not saying you shouldn't use them or whatever. But can I say nothing should rob your time with spending with God? There should be nothing that moves you away from this reality of spending time with God. Unless you think it's hard in America, I promise you, it's just as hard everywhere else for everybody else. Remember, I send missionaries all over the world. We send them to hard places. And still, it is hard to find the time to actually carve it out and spend with Jesus. The spirit of this age wants to tempt you, seduce you, and call you away from actually being with him. But fight for your life. Fight for your life to actually spend this time with him. Why? Because other people's lives, and I know this might feel like a burden to some of you, but can I say this? Your destiny doesn't only belong to you. Part of your high school's destiny, it belongs to you. Part of your youth group's destiny, it belongs to you. Part of your mom and dad's destinies, even if they're unbelievers, do you realize that part of it belongs to you? And you have to fight to be those people like Peter and John were who had been with Jesus. And it says this, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing. In our culture, here's the problem. And I get it. I remember being in high school and thinking, this is scary. This is hard. It's a little bit embarrassing. Like, people are going to think weird things about me. I used to be, like, you know, the party kid, and now I'm this, what they call Jesus freaks, and they think we're, I got weird. They don't really want to hang around me anymore. Or that's at least how I feel. And I get it. But here's the thing. In other cultures, they fear the raised fist, right? In our culture, we fear the raised eyebrow. Do you realize there's actually nothing, absolutely nothing to fear because you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. I get it that culture can make it hard and that you want to be popular. You want to be all these things. You want to be seen a certain way in front of your peers. But can I just tell you this? Christianity isn't and has never been for centuries and for thousands of years. It has never been a popularity contest. Can I just say this? Christianity has never been about who's the prettiest or who's the most popular or who's the most athletic, okay? The truth is Jesus said this, and I want you to hear this because I send missionaries, again, remember, to these places where every day they're trying to share their faith in Jesus with their neighbors around them. And sometimes they're, they're you know, cursed at. Sometimes I remember someone even tried to punch a guy, couldn't punch the guy. I, I, all kinds of things. Like they, they might get upset and even at the risk of their very lives or health. But here's the thing. 
Jesus said, and here's a promise that I want to give to you. And, and this might not be the most comforting promise, but it's truth, okay? And it's truth that actually sets us free even as teenagers. It has the power to set us free, okay? It's this. John, he says to, in John, he says, if they hated me, they will hate you also. Can I just say this? When you feel bad because someone makes fun of you for your faith in Jesus and you continue to walk that out, can I just say this? There's something that happens in your own life because you're not identifying with our culture or your friends even or your peers. You're identifying with the most powerful man that's ever lived. And if they hated me, they will hate you also. Here's the thing. I know that sounds like kind of a Debbie Downer, but here's the thing. It's promised to us that if they hated him, they're going to hate me. It's not the end of the world. There are more important things in your life. Listen, and I know it might be even hard for a teenager to hear this. I, I, I even tell my own kids, hey, my oldest is only 10 years old, hey, there are more important things or there are scarier things to lose than your popularity. There are more dangerous things to lose than you feeling or experiencing cool. There was this old preacher guy, his name was Leonard Ravenhill, right? This might feel a little too intense, but he said it this way. He said it this way, I wrote this down. He said the early church, even the youth group of the early church, was married to poverty, prisons, and persecutions. Today the church is married to prosperity, personality, and popularity. Here's the thing. We want to walk like these guys walk, Peter and John, where we can say to the kid in our school who can no longer walk, maybe because of an accident or from birth, stand up and walk. But here's the thing. We don't just need that kid to stand up. The truth is, even as teenagers, we need the real Jesus to stand up in our hearts. Will the real Jesus please stand up? And here's the thing. For most of you, the way that people will see Jesus, the people will say, by what power or by what name have you done these things? It's going to be by the real Jesus being lived through teenager lives. I say this, I started with the story of my own high school. I remember how throughout the whole year we made it our mission. It wasn't, we were, we were all seniors, right? And we could give ourselves to senioritis, you know, just chill, just party. No, we said we're only here for six more months. Let's try to see as many people saved out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And we began to see Jesus manifested or shown or revealed in our high school in unusual ways. I remember there were kids whose parents were atheists. They didn't want them to go to church. Whose kids whose parents were Buddhists who said you can never go to church. And they couldn't go to church on Sunday so they'd come to our Wednesday Bible study after school and experience the power of Jesus. Today, one of those kids is a pastor in New York City. 
seeing lots of people getting saved. And there's something that you can experience in your own life when you actually choose to partner with Jesus. I know some of you think, well, Christianity is good, and I like my youth group, I have fun, I like coming to these conferences, but sometimes it feels a little boring or it means I can't have that much fun if I'm a Christian. Can I tell you something? There is nothing more exciting than living in the power of the Holy Spirit in your own life. You don't want to hear other people's stories. As fun and cool and exciting and energizing as other people's testimonies can be, as a teenager even, I said, I don't want to live someone else's testimony. I want my own story with the Holy Spirit. As teenagers, you can have your own story. Or as young adults even that are in this room, youth leaders, we can encourage our youth and our teenagers to actually experience the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. We have to see that there is a power or a name by which these things are done, by which men are healed, that by which people are saved, by which lives are transformed when we actually walk with Jesus. I remember my own testimony as a high school kid, parties, and then suddenly I'm the Jesus freak. And I believe God gave me my influence on my high school, not just to party, but to be actually be able to be an influence to kids one day where we could stand up on our cafeteria tables and begin to preach the gospel. And people actually listened to us because they remembered what we were like once. And suddenly to see lives transformed all throughout our county, actually. See, I could call you to be missionaries overseas, but most of you, you're a few years out from that. The truth is, today you can make a decision to be missionaries to your high schools, to your youth groups even. I promise you, your youth pastor will be excited if you're excited about reaching other kids in your youth group. I can't necessarily call you and say, hey, come to the Middle East, preach the gospel to Muslim families, Muslim women who wear veils covered. I can't necessarily call you to that, but can I tell you that there are broken lives in your high schools, in your youth groups, where you can actually operate and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit in your own lives. Some of you, it just takes a new vision in your own life. Hey, youth group is supposed... I know maybe youth pastors aren't going to like this. Youth group is supposed to be about trying to, you know, hang out with the cute girl and hang out with the cute guy. And you go to youth group because, you know, there's a girl that you might like. That's all good. Can I just say that? I might get in trouble later from David. But can I just say that's all good? That's part of it? But can I tell you that you need to have a vision that goes beyond just what you think is available to you. There is a power inside of you that even if you feel afraid and feel ashamed and even feel timid today, there is a power that lives inside of you where you don't have to be ashamed because in you is the very power of God for salvation. And today, those things can change in your lives. Dave, if you want to come up and John... Just going to end our, our time here. Just as a, a friend to bold, I don't want you to be caught 
in this race to just be cool and to be popular. Or even just to experience fun and new things in your own life. That's all good. I get that. My prayer for you guys is that you as teenagers in America, God isn't finished with America. You might think, well, things are crazy all over the world. Things are crazy in our own country. Can I just tell you something? I believe that the greatest days are yet ahead for our high schools in our country. God isn't finished with America. I don't send kids overseas because I don't care about America. I send kids to these faraway places, especially because I care about our own country. I send them overseas hoping that one of them gets a breakthrough in one of those places. And then suddenly the minds of teenagers are suddenly captured to actually believe that God can still do these things even in my high school. But my prayer for you guys isn't that you wouldn't just give yourselves to being cool or to being popular or all those kinds of things. It's actually be those ones who have been with Jesus. Take the time. Find friends who want to also be with Jesus and find those places in your own life where you can carve out the times and the situations in order to grow in knowing and loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's my prayer for you guys today. If you would like to follow Jesus, we'd like to connect with you on your journey. Email us at follow at radianchurchkc.com. If this ministry has encouraged you, we'd love to hear your story. Email us at mystory@radianchurchkc.com. If you'd like to invest in Radian Church, please click Give on our website, radianchurchkc.com. Are you a young adult and interested in spending a year in Kansas City at Radian Church? Check out radianintensive.com. Thanks for listening to the Radian Church Podcast.